Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Here we are back for another week of Don't Box Me In. I am your host, Lana Reed, and today's show embodies why I do this show week after week. You know, in life, all of us will have uh, challenges. It's, It's just a fact. Things will come our way that are unpleasant, painful, and often overwhelming. I believe that we have the choice to either lay down and be beat down by our circumstances, or we can make the choice the active decision to improve our lives. My guest today is a true example of the message that I try to spread here at Don't Box Me In. Robin Marvel's story is an amazing example of overcoming your personal beginnings and trials and tribulations along the way. Robin is the author of five books, a public speaker, a mother, and most of all, a survivor. I am so honored to have the opportunity to have her on the show and share her story. With that, Robin, welcome, welcome, welcome to Don't Box Me In today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's so great to be here. No, thank you. My pleasure to have you. Um, I always like to start off at the beginning so my audience can meet uh, my guests. So um, your your story is just so, so powerful and inspiring. Um, your childhood was not the easiest. You watched your mother suffer for many, many years. Can you share some of that with us? Yeah. Um, you know, I went through a pretty traumatic childhood. There was a lot of domestic abuse. My mom was well, my, was married to my dad, who was um, quite the abuser. And in the mix of all of that, everyone was abusing drugs and alcohol. And so it was kind of a cocktail of abuse, I guess you could say. I watched growing up. Uh, she did finally get the courage to leave my dad when um, I was eight years old, but mm-hmm. she started entertaining other relationships that were just as abusive. And so okay. it was just kind of a pattern, you know, and that's when I started seeing the pattern and the choices. And that even though I was young, I was still able to realize those and see, you know, that wasn't a direction I wanted to go in. Okay. So you said she was with your father till she was eight. Was it just you or do you have brothers and sisters? Nope. I have two sisters. I have an older sister and a younger sister. So all of you guys were kind of wrapped up in this at that time? We really were. The only difference was my dad would, they weren't living together, even though they were married. And my dad, but they would meet up at the bar or wherever they would meet up. And then he would come to our house and they would get into, you know, the the fights. And I can remember being very little. I would say first grade, kindergarten, maybe Mm -hmm. right around there. And my dad would kidnap me. And this was mm. continuous where he would take me, he'd beat my mom until she couldn't fight back. And then he would take me. And I can remember one instance hiding myself in the bottom of this closet. I mean, I put blankets and stuffed animals and whatever I could find on top of me, hoping he would not take me. And he still did. So, you mm. know, there, there was, um, so I was going through that too. And so that was a pretty crazy experience. Wow. Wow. I mean, I, I, th- I don't think parents really understand um, when they have very adult problems, how they suck children into their their chaos and their madness as well. And, um, you know, it's just a a testament to the resilience of a child to kind of overcome all of these these things that parents put them through and and come out on the other side, you know, as you did, and and you'll share with us later on. But, you know, just first and foremost, let me get that out the way that, you know, I just think it's commendable that you are where you are today. So, I mean, just kudos to you. Um, No no problem. Your, Your mother stayed with your dad until... You were eight, you said. Um, so I'm curious as to 
during this time and, and you were young, so maybe you don't know, was there anybody, you know, saying to your mother, like, you know, come over here, we'll help you out? Or, you know, were there grandparents or, you know, was anybody trying to rescue the ladies from your father? Well, you know, I don't know that there was anyone trying to rescue her. I don't know. There could have been. But mm-hmm. I do know we lived in shelters a couple of times. I mean, we were okay. homeless a lot when I was a okay. kid, too. And in my teen years, we were homeless a lot. But I don't know of anyone. I can remember my Aunt Sue and her getting into a couple fights about her going to see my dad and taking us kids to see my dad. I can remember that going on. Mm-hmm. And so I think, that, I mean, I think maybe she was trying to, but, you know, my mom wasn't going to listen, obviously. Gotcha. And, you know, you mentioned previously that there was a lot of abuse and some drug use in the home. Now that you're an adult, you're mature and you've processed things. um, Do you think you understand what it was that allowed your mother to kind of just stay in this type of situation with your mother and eventually the other men that she got involved with? Well, I do believe it was what she thought she was worth. I believe that was all my heart. I think that she thought she was she did not deserve any better treatment. For whatever reason, however she grew up and whatever beliefs were embedded in her. So I think that she was doing the best that she could mm-hmm. at that time. I just think she didn't know how how bad it really was. Okay. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, you know, how how did you, in, in a young age, how did this begin to affect you or impact you? You talked about hiding out in the closet. You know, I'm assuming that you there were some times when you were afraid of your father. Um how was it? What do you what do you recall in the beginning as far as how did you feel about your parents at a young age? You know, what's the craziest thing is I never felt any anger towards them when I was a kid. I just wanted to help them. I just wanted to fix everything. You know, I wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really have a good relationship with my dad after um, my mom had finally made the decision to leave him. He wasn't really a constant in our life. And we mm-hmm. see him here and there. But he wasn't really a constant. But for my mom, I and I'm still to this day the same way. I just want to help her. I just want to mm-hmm. reach out and hug her and love her and, and and let her know that she's worth so much more in life and deserves so much more. And, um, you know, so for me, the way I, I started learning so much, like I would start taking care of my sisters because even when my mom wasn't with my dad, she was going out to the bar and she was drinking and she was doing the things mm-hmm. that she was doing. So I'd get them up and get them ready for school. I made a few really good friends along the way, I guess, um, when I was in second grade, we went to a school called Betterdine, and there was a <laughs> lunch lady there. And I would go in in the mornings and help her get breakfast ready for all the kids that were Aww. coming in, you know, to eat breakfast. And she was, her name was Mel, and I'll never forget her because she was kind to me. Uh-huh. You know, so there was those little kind people. And I don't think I ever disclosed, like, any of the things I was going through to her. I think it was just her friendship and her letting me help and me feeling like I was worth something. She counted on me. And I think mm-hmm. that that made a difference. Yeah, just a small nugget to kind of get you through the chaos that you were going on. I mean, and I think those are little valuable things that help anybody get through any circumstances. If I just have this little life raft here to hold on to, no matter how small it might be, you know, I might be able to get through this moment. So Nala, Nala definitely was that for you. Um, your, your mother is still, you know, I'm still curious about your mother. You mentioned that she's still she's still here with us. She's still struggling with some things. Yeah, she, she still is. Yep. Okay. 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 Um, so after she left your father, there was still some very toxic relationships that she had. Um, how were were they in the home with you guys growing up? You you still had to witness this 
relationship with your mom. And then you mentioned you were also in and out of the homeless shelter. So I'm assuming that there was not always a man present. There was no supportive financial system from the men that she were dating? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think we were pretty much relied on the state for everything as far as food and shelter. And I do remember in, um, I, I missed the first part of my third grade year of school because we were living in a station wagon on the port of Sacramento. We lived in Sacramento, California at the time. And I know that we lived there for like three months. And then my aunt Sue, again, that I was talking about earlier, let us, uh-huh. we went and lived with her for a little while. I do remember that. But see, my mom was never responsible. For some reason, she just never got the responsibility because we'd move into somewhere, we'd be evicted three months later, you know, because the bills mm-hmm. wouldn't get paid. Welfare would move us into wherever we need to move into because, I mean, there's these kids out on the street. But And that was the same with the shelter. You know, we wouldn't make our curfew or we wouldn't follow the rules or, you know, she wouldn't do that. And so we would get kicked out. So that was mm-hmm. a continuous pattern of homelessness that, that continued into my, I guess, the last time I was homeless was in seventh grade. But the last okay. time I can remember being homeless. Okay. Okay. So you and your sisters, you guys are all in this together. Um, so you guys were realizing that maybe something is not normal with this, even at a young age. Well, I definitely did. I definitely okay. knew that was not a lifestyle that I wanted to live in. Um, my sisters, on the other hand, they they've made their own choices and the lifestyles that they want to live, and um, you know, they repeat a lot of our childhood in their daily okay. living. Yeah, I mean, and that's. That's the thing that you hear a lot of times with children's upbringing. Uh, sometimes, you know, some children will uh, model after their parents' behavior, but there might be one or two that say, hey, you know, wait a minute. I don't think this is the right way for me to go. I'm going to try to do something different and hopefully better. Um, how is it that you think you learned that message that, you know, wait a minute, how my mom, the mom's, the path that my mom took is not for me. I, I want something different for myself. Well, I don't, I know that when I found out I was having a baby girl, when I was found out I was pregnant and I was 16 years old, I said, we are not going to be statistics. She mm-hmm. will not be a statistic and I will work my ass off to make sure that that's true. And I think that that was one of the defining moments in my life. And, uh, but I think, you know, I seen the repetitive choices. I didn't like coming home and seeing mounds of Coke on the table. I wasn't interested mm-hmm. in the instability. I wanted stability in my life from a really young age. I wanted that. And mm-hmm. I think that just all of the different situations that I faced started building this foundation within me where I was like, I'm going to get there. And I took the long, you know, I took the long, windy road to get there, but <laughs> I definitely, it was, it was worth it, you know. But um, so that, I think that that all contributed to uh, where I am now and who I am now. Cool stuff. Now, you mentioned at six, uh, I think 16, or either I read or you just mentioned that you you got pregnant at 16. Um is it safe to assume that before this you were kind of maybe going in the direction that your mother was at that particular time? You know, your life was a little hectic and chaotic before you got pregnant. Yeah, I was out of control. <laughs> I was making, I was, I was um wild party girl. You know, I was looking for attention. I, I definitely know that that's what I was doing. I was hoping somebody would say you're worth something and I like you and I want you around me and, I just wanted that because I, I had never felt that really. And so mm-hmm. I, I turned to partying. And when I was drunk, I, I'm a happy drunk, and I didn't have any feelings mm-hmm. or care about anything. And then I, um, then I turned to the boys, and, and that was fine, too, with me because it was just, you know, it was, I was validating my worth, I guess, in a way to me I was, and mm-hmm. um, obviously in a negative way. And so, you know, that was um, 
I was definitely making some of those choices. And exactly. then when I became pregnant, you know, it was time to wake up. S- slow down a little bit. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was on your website and I read um, somewhere in this process before you got pregnant um, and you were living the, the party girl life and, and drinking and stuff. Um, you had the unfortunate experience of being sexually assaulted by a close friend. If you're comfortable with that, can you share a little bit with that about that? Yeah, it was um, it was a very close friend. We all partied all the time, and he um, just got carried away. And it wasn't just me; there was a group of girls, and that was really hard because he was. We're from a small town. Like I live in now, the town has like I don't know 300 people in it, mm. and so it was really overwhelming the um i guess the whole entire situation was mm-hmm. really hard to to deal with in the small town and, and all of the things that were going on but you know he needed help and, and i that's what i said when i stood up in the courtroom because it was me and i think four other girls and i said i don't want him to be locked up i want him to get help so that he's not like this so he can live a full life and that was something that was really important but you know when that happened it it wasn't really to me i was kind of like wow, this is really messed up situation, I guess. But I didn't, it didn't help me to, I guess it did help me to change, but it wasn't like stop me dead in my tracks, you know, like the whole pregnancy mm-hmm. thing was like, whoa, you know. <laughs> but for me, it, but it was, I mean, it was a really traumatic situation and I'm just, I'm just glad that it happened so that he was able to get help and could live the life that he wants to live now. So, um, I think that's interesting that, you know, here it is, you have some, you know, man who, has harmed you, brought harm to you, like you've grown up seeing, but you still had some sort of inner peace and resolution within yourself to say, I, I want him to get help. You know, you didn't have the the instinct to, you know, say, I, I want him to pay for what he's done to me. I think that's very commendable. Well, thank you. You know, I just think that people make choices, you know, based on what they're what they think they're worth and where they're at in their lives and I and I don't think it was intentionally to bring this this harm I think it was just the mindset and so for me it's very easy for me to forgive and say you know what I want you to live a good life you deserve a good life and you made some bad choices but that doesn't make you a bad person and so let's move forward good deal I mean I think more of us need to adopt that that mentality and attitude when people um mistreat us a little bit you know and with that robin it's time for our first break everybody stay tuned we'll be back with more robin marvel right after this commercial break welcome back to don't box me in here's your host lana reed Welcome back. Welcome back. Today I am with Miss Robin Marvel, author and speaker. And before the break, she was sharing her personal story with me. And, um, you know, I, I just want to reinforce that, you know, we all go through things in life. And, you know, while we're going through it and while we're in the moment, you know, we're always like, wow, this is the worst thing. And woe is me. And nobody understands. Um, you know, but then there's people that we come across like Robin and make you say, wow, you know, what what I went through was so small and so insignificant. And if she got through it, you know, I have no excuse for why I can't turn my life around. And, you know, I just want to um, thank her again for sharing time with me because it, it just it's it's very overwhelming to listen to her say, share her story. And um, 
she's so powerful with it and, and she's in a different place now and it took a lot for her to get to where she is today and so I just I just want I cannot say it enough that I'm just so in awe with the woman that she has become so uh, thank you again and now I want to move on to we read the part of the story where you were you were talking about you had um you had had a, a friend assault you and then later on you became pregnant at 16 and you decided at that particular point that I need to make some changes in my life. And any of us in this profession, you know, we know that change is not, you know, a smooth and steady path. So, Robin, I want to know, like, when you you were 16, you're pregnant. Was it like, okay, I got to change my life and just everything fell into place? Or how did you start or or what changes did you begin to try to make happen in your life? Well, you know, I knew that I didn't want my daughter to live any kind of the instability or that, you know, that without the stability that I lived with as a kid growing up. So I knew I had to make the choice to go back to high school and graduate. I had her August 20th. I went to school August 24th. I mean, I was uh, just, I was determined, you know, I'm like, I'm going to graduate in the school. Oh, my goodness. They were horrible to me. They were, um, they tried to put me in alternative ed. I said, no, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to walk the stage with these other people that I went to school with all this time since seventh grade and Mm -hmm. graduate that way. And I even... Two weeks before school got out, the counselor, who was nothing but rude to me, told me I was never going to be anything. I mean, mm. literally told me that. Um, he was just really mean to me the entire time. Came up to me in the lunch line, and he said, I just noticed you're half a credit short. So oh you, you'll never, yeah, he's like, you won't graduate and walk with these people. So, you know, you're done. And I was like, I was a mess. And I said, there is no way I'm graduating. I mean, this was two weeks before graduation, and I uh, went to the principal, and he said, well, there's a course you can take, because it was a U.S. history course that I had to take, and it was $70. Well, I knew there was no way I had $70, and I knew my mom didn't have it, and the principal paid for it. So he was cool, and and the counselor the whole time was just like, you'll never get it done in time, just complete negativity constantly, and I did it. I took it and I sent it and my friend actually paid to have it like overnight mail to the place. Uh, I got it back and I walked, you know, I walked across that stage with everyone else. And um, it was a proud moment because I I thought, you know, they tried to push me down and they tried and other parents were so rude to me and they were like, oh my goodness, you're such a loser. You're never going to be. They were, they were awful. And, uh, and I did it and I thought, well, that's really cool. So that's just a great story for me to share because so many times when you get in one of these situations where you make a choice and you end up pregnant or you end up mixed up in the law or whatever it is mm. and you feel like you're defeated and people around you will tell you you're defeated you know you mm-hmm. have that power you want it bad enough you're going to do it and I, and so that was just a really great moment so I went to school and then I went to college and um for a couple of years but it wasn't my thing and I've just worked and I bought a house when my daughter was three because that was something that was really important to me and um you know so I started making these little changes that I thought were really important. I started really educating her because I thought education is the only way to go. That's like the most important mm-hmm. thing. And because I watched all of these other people in my school who were just flourishing in their education and they had these great stable lives. And I just really, for some reason, I thought that was what I wanted for my daughter. And so those were some of the changes I started making. And I just worked really hard. And then when I was about 22, I kind of fell off the wagon again. And I started drinking again and I started partying and there were nights when I didn't even see my daughter and I was not being a good wife and I was not being a good mother and I was just spinning out of control and I remember sitting in my living room and looking around and going 
this is not the way my story is going to end. Mm-hmm. I've got to do something. And in that moment, I made the choice, you know, what was most important in my life and how I was going to get to where I wanted to be. And I started working on my self-worth, which was something I'd never done in my life. And I started mm-hmm. really focusing on becoming the person I wanted to be. And it took, and it takes a lot of work. Like I didn't just flip a switch and, oh my goodness, you know, everything's rosy. It's mm-hmm. hard work and it's something you have to be committed to and something you have to really work for because we all can make the changes. We all can be whatever we want. It's mm-hmm. just, do we want to do the work or do we want to make the excuses? You know, mm-hmm. that's what it came down to for me. And um, so that's kind of how that came together. Yeah, and you mentioned something I think is very important. You know, a lot of people, you know, they want things in life. They want to become, you know, something, but they want the process quickly. You know, um, a lot of people don't understand you know, the day by day work that is involved in making change in your life happen. And that's one of the things I try to communicate with people is, you know, don't get dismayed. It's not an overnight transition. You know, I can give you example after example of people who, you know, start, stop, it's up two steps down, three steps and, you know, don't get discouraged, but it is a process, but you do have that choice to make a change in your life. You know, just like you mentioned that, you know, here it is, I was rolling along, I was doing good, but I had a backslide, but then I had to make the decision, you know, um, this is not how, how my story is going to end. So, you know, I think that's very important that people understand that. Yeah, I think that so many people give up when they're moving forward. You know, they'll get to a certain point, and I see this all the time um, in, in the field of work I'm in, where they get to a certain point, and then they, they just quit because they feel like it's too hard, or they slip back, and they feel like they can't come back from that. So it's absolutely important to know that you you know, you can you can start over at any time and you, you can get there. Mm-hmm. True, true. Now, you mentioned that, you know, you were married when you had your first backslide there. Um, do you think at that particular, you were probably what, in your early 20s, do you think you had learned how to have a healthy relationship with somebody based on what you saw growing up? Or are you still with your that husband today or or no? I absolutely am. He's the father of my first daughter and my next four daughters. And okay. we, I was 22. When, when I got pregnant, he was 21 and I was 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was a, it was a rocky road, you know, and, I, and it was not a healthy relationship because mm-hmm. we were both doing just what we had both learned. And, and he learned things from his, you know, his well, path of growing up. And I have to mind that we're both unhealthy, you know. Okay. And so, but we... Um, you know, we worked really hard together and we learned and we grew together. And now it's at a point where, you know, we're best friends and we're able to communicate openly and we're, you know, we're a unit now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really great. It, I mean, we've been married 13 years. March 3rd was our 13 year anniversary. We've known each mm-hmm. other 19 years. And it's been it's been a long road. And we both had to make choices and say, you know what, is this where we want to be? Because I firmly I believe with all of my heart, you don't have to be in a relationship with anyone. If you are unhappy, you have the choice to to leave that relationship. And it might be hard and it might hurt, but do you want to keep being abused? Do you want to keep Mm -hmm. being treated poorly? You know, when the pain outweighs the pleasure, it's time to go, in my opinion. So for me and Keith, it went both ways. Like, I I wasn't good to him and he wasn't good to me. And so we had to learn. We had to learn completely how to structure a marriage. We didn't have any good examples. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's... And he is like my biggest cheerleader. He supports me <laughs> in every, it's so crazy because I mean, like, he does. It's like, I'll say, well, I'm going to run, a, I'm going to, because my whole journey of the book started, I'm going to, I'm going to start a magazine because our area is so low vibration and there's so 
little happiness in this area from a majority of the vibes you get, you know, and so mm-hmm. like, start a magazine. And I'm going to fill it full of all these positive, great things. And he's like, oh, do it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to make candles. He looks like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's like, today, he's like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I, I, I'm like, I need to get doing something. You know, I got to, I'm the kind of person I am. I got to be doing something. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, just do it. And I'm like, what? He's like, well, whatever. He's like, work on cars or sell flowers. He's like, I don't care. Just do it. You know, do it. Just do it. Do it. Happy. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, I'm really lucky in that sense that, uh, you know, he's always, yeah. That is always a blessing. You know, I think, you know, to have somebody that you can lay in bed with, you know, night after night and, and to be your personal cheerleader. I don't think people understand how important that is to a person's emotional well-being to have, you know, that person be in your corner, somebody like that, you know. So it, it's just truly wonderful that the two of you have grown into this this beautiful relationship. I mean, and that's, you know, we don't see that often today with a, with a lot of marriage and the statistics that you see out there. So, you know, I think that's just wonderful. Especially yeah, for everything like that you're doing. You do, I mean, you need a support system for all that you're doing, um, especially when you're trying to be out there in this world and help people and, and get everybody's life on track, that in itself is very draining. And I can speak from personal experience. So you need that, you know, let me go to home base. Let me recharge my battery. Let me get out there and like, yeah, I'm going to get out there and kick some more butt, you know? So, you know, that's good that, you know, hubby is there to provide that for you. That's cool. It is. Cool and it's really great because we travel as a team, you know, me and him and our five daughters, when I do a speaking event or I do a, book signing or whatever, it's always as a unit. You know, everybody's there. They might not be right out front, but they're there in the hotel room or they're there walking around the mall while I'm in Barnes & Noble or whatever. So it's really Mm -hmm. cool because I feel like I always have this, you know, this um, superhero power behind me, I guess. (laughs) got my girls and teeth with me, which is really cool. Cool stuff. What are the ages of the girls, if I can ask? Uh, My oldest is 17. Then I have an 11, 9, 7, and um, my youngest is three. Wow. Kudos to you. I, I only had the patience for one. So, I mean, five is just amazing <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah, and I, poor, I know your husband is like, wow, can I get a boy? I'm like surrounded by all these females. That poor guy. <laughs> you know, what's funny is he's not. He says, he's like, I like the girls. I like having another one. And he's like, no, I don't want to stand sit and get a boy. He's like, I like the dynamics. I'm like, me too. Good. <laughs> I like the girl. Oh. <laughs> All right. As long as he's happy, we love it. So right now we're going to take our uh, commercial break. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Robin Marvel right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I'm with Robin Marvel today, author and speaker. She's sharing her story of abuse, homelessness, and teen pregnancy. Before the break, we were talking about her uh, marriage and, you know, um, the five children. And I want to ask, Robin, based on everything that you saw growing up with your father and your mother and then the relationships that she had with the men after your father, uh, you had to probably, when it came to your own parenting experience with your husband, there were some things you probably had to unlearn or some, some ups and downs about parenting that you probably struggled with. Was parenting easy for you right from the get-go, or did it did it have some challenges itself for you? 
Well, it absolutely had some challenges. And one of the biggest challenges I'll share with you that I had was letting your children be themselves. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I had this idea, you know, like she was going to go to high school, she was going to be valedictorian, and she was going to Stanford, she, you know, she was going to be a doctor, or she was going to education, education, education. That was all I seen, you know, that was mm-hmm. it. Well, then as I started to awaken within myself and learn about myself, and then she started becoming her own person, it threw me for a loop because I couldn't understand how, you know, like, well, I'm the boss, you know, <laughs> this is how it's going to be, right? Yeah, yeah. And I had, <laughs> I had to learn to respect my children as people, to see them as people, not mm-hmm. just these little mini yous running around. And mm-hmm. I mean, as long as I feel like uh, I'm confident that I'm teaching her values to value herself, that was the most important thing to me in my life is teaching my children to live with self-respect. Because mm-hmm. so many lack it. I, I had none. And I seen the choices that I made. I And like I was saying earlier, I believe everything we do is based on our sense of self-worth. So mm-hmm. for me, the most important thing is to find out what sets their spirit on fire and feed it. And if that isn't going, being the top of their class, if that, you know, if that's working at a gas station, if that's running, you know, a hotel or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever their heart desires, I want to be that person behind them fanning that flame, you know, and that's, that's a big thing for a parent because a lot of times as parents, we have these ideas of what we want because we lived a certain way and we, we lacked this or we didn't have that. And so we're busy trying to conform our children into being exactly what we wanted to be, mm-hmm. you know? So that was a huge lesson in it. And I'm so glad I learned it because I feel sorry for my oldest daughter because she had to learn it alongside me. <laughs> she had to struggle <laughs> while I was <laughs> I'm trying to yeah, figure out this parenting thing. Now, hold on. You yeah. were going through this together. You know, and it's funny that you mentioned no. that because in my own personal story, I tell that about my parents. My parents were teenage parents. And, you know, I always share with people I had to grow with them while they were growing. And I don't think people understand the, the, the dynamics of because people assume like okay parents know everything you know they've got it all together right. but that is so far from the truth they're just kind of winging half of this stuff <laughs> just like you know as they go along so you know for you to be so honest about it and say look I made you know this mistake I wanted her to be this way I figured you know she was going to do this and be this and have this you know and this was the picture I had for her but then my daughter you know put me in a trick bag and say uh no mom uh I think I want my life to go this way <laughs> I know. And, you know, I have to tell you, I'm so proud of her. Like, she's an, she's amazing. She's got it together. You know, she's got it figured out. She's so wise compared to myself at that age. I mean, I already had her at her age. And yeah. so, it's, I mean, it's all good. It's just, I mean, it, it blows your mind. At least for me, it was like, whoa, whoa. You know, and I'll <laughs> tell her even now. We get an argument every once in a while, and I'll be like, you know what? You have to be patient. I've never did this before. You know, I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm trying to figure this out yeah. now. Hold on. I know. I'm like, you just have to deal with it. Say, <laughs> <laughs> look. <Help> me learn. <laughs> cool stuff. So you, by the time you got to the fifth one, you know, you're just, you got it down packed now, right? Heck yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I got this Wrong. now. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, Talking about parenting, you know, and, and you've you've gone through that on one end as a child watching your parents. And now you've went through your own struggles um, as a parent. If you had maybe one message or thing that you could say to potential parents when it comes to putting their children in certain environments, abuse or drugs or whatever, 
or giving your children the best opportunity. What would you say to to people or parents, potential parents? I would tell them to pay attention to what they're doing because mm-hmm. so many people go through life. I, I watch it all the time in my area where parents are so self-absorbed that they're not seeing the the actual effects that they're having on their own children. You know, they're, you're their role model. You're their example. They're seeing what you're doing, and they might not be listening, but they're watching, and mm-hmm. they're learning from you, and they're learning everything from you. And if you're standing in the bathroom on a scale saying how fat you are, you're you know, you're creating that in your daughter. You're you're showing mm-hmm. her, you know, and people think that, oh, I tell my kids to love themselves, but, oh, wait, got to get to my Weight Watchers meeting, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. they got there in the kitchen measuring their food. And I'm all for being healthy and loving, your, you know, if, if that's what you want to do. I don't care. I'm not saying anything negative about that, but I'm saying be cautious about how you're doing it. Because what message you're sending, yeah. You see it in the high schools. Look at these 13-year-old girls. You know, look at all the bullying. These are all learned behaviors. As far True. as I'm concerned, and, and I believe that, you know, these are all learned behaviors from parents. These are handed mm-hmm. down things. So if you're sitting there going, oh, my kid is such a bully, I can't believe that, you need to look at yourself. We're so busy talking about everyone and competing and trying to be better than everyone that we forget about the unity and we forget about what we could create in these children and in ourselves, you know, being a helping hand. Everybody's trying to push everyone down and to lift everyone up. And I yeah. think that that is something, as a parent, we have the opportunity to teach these kids how to love one another. You know what I teach my girls? Yeah. If someone's being mean to you, their heart is hurting. So mm-hmm. what do you think you should do? Even down to my three-year-old, you know, if some, I'll tell her, if someone's being mean, their heart's hurting, you need to love them more. And I believe that with all my heart. You know, I know that people talk and, and there's rumors and there's all of that stuff that go around, you know, but you have to be the person who sends love. You know, somebody mm-hmm. says something negative about you, send them love. They need it. Because yeah. who, who, if you're a strong, confident person who likes where you're at in your life, you don't need to talk about other people. True. You don't need to because, you know, you're so worried about, or you're so focused. I don't even have to use the word word. You're so focused on being a positive, happy person within yourself that you don't have time for that. And so True. for me, that's very easy for me just to send love and teach my girls to be those same people. I'm not saying I don't get irritated once in a while with people here and there. I do. I'm a person. Yeah. Or I'm quick to check myself or my girls are quick to check me. And I do the same thing for them because that's... I want them to be that woman that's holding hands around the world, you know, positive, <laughs> upbeat, you know, I, that's what I, that's what I want. And that's who I want to be too. So by being yeah. an example for them, I'm showing them how to do that. That's good stuff. Cause you know, I think, um, people need to understand there's a quote that says you know hurt people hurt people so when somebody is causing pain in this world or or talking about you or doing something to hurt you you really need to understand that person is hurting it has nothing to do with you per se it's that person has some unresolved you know pain that they haven't placed yet in a proper place and they need love um and comfort more so than anybody else in in this world. So, and it takes a big person. It takes a really big person when somebody's intentionally causing you pain to say, you know what? Regardless of what you're doing to me, I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to love you, and I'm going to try to help you get to a better place because who you are now is not all that you can potentially be. I mean, and that's a that's a big person to that can do that, and it's phenomenal that you're you're creating that message, um, that sensation in your daughters. That's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, um, the talking about the so we've talked about the the learning lessons that you had to learn parenting with your daughters. Um, 
I'm assuming, and we talked about this briefly, what kind of things did you had to learn to make a healthy marriage based on what you had learned growing up from your relationship with your your father and the men that your mother had in your life afterwards? Well, one of the main things I had to learn was trust mm-hmm. because I had zero. I had zero. I never seen anybody in a relationship trust one another. You know, my mm-hmm. mom, her motto is, and still to this day, you know, is someone's out to get you. There's always mm. something underhanded going on. And she still lives this way to this very day. And <laughs> it's always something negative. You know, something's going to happen to you. Life sucks. And it's just you're a victim of circumstance. And that that's her mindset. Mm. And, mm-hmm. I, and I grew up, I think part of that was uh, was taught to me, obviously. That was what I was taught. And so to have trust in another person was very hard. To think that I'm worthy of the love because he's this, oh, he's loving and he's nice and he's amazing. And, he, you know, we were talking about that earlier. And so for me to think that I deserve that was really hard for me, too. And I know that sounds silly to some people because they're like, well, someone's great to you. It's just, But if you've never, if you've never known that that's okay to feel that mm-hmm. way, that's mm-hmm. a struggle. That can be something you have to you have to learn and learn to accept. And so I went through that, and I think with marriage, we were both so young that we mm-hmm. were kind of just like these two kids playing house, and we didn't really <laughs> understand. I had no financial stability at all. I didn't I didn't know, and this sounds so crazy when I say it now, <laughs> but I didn't know you pay a full electric bill. I thought you pay like a little <laughs> bit on it, and I, I seriously doesn't that sound crazy? I know. <laughs> Let me put a little bit on it. Let me just put a little bit on it and just roll over the rest of next month, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And so I had to learn, I had to learn that kind of stuff. You know, I didn't learn that, you know, you pay your bills, then you go shopping. I go shopping, (laughs) then what's left over, I put a little bit here and there and stretch it, you know? So it was, it was a lot of learning and it was crazy, but you know, it's like I went from there to where I am today and I'm such a different person and I'm so grateful for all of that because I can teach my girls. I am extremely open with my girls and I will tell them, you know, um, yes, I did this and yes, I did this. And, and this is the this was the repercussions of that choice mm-hmm. I made. And I'm glad because I can show them and then I can teach them. And I think that that's really important, especially with my oldest daughter, because I mean, she's going to be an adult in August and for her to teach her about drinking and teach her about, you know, um, making wise choices with boys and things like that, it's really good because I can say, you know what, Emily, I did that, and mm-hmm. you see what happened, you know? Yeah, you see <laughs> and, where I'm and at, stuff yeah. Like that. I mean, and that's so beautiful, really too, because good. I think a lot of times parents like to present this image to their children. Oh, you know, I never went through, I'm perfect now, and I don't make any expect, mistakes, and you should no. listen to me. But I think it's more effective when you say to your children, look, I did this, and I screwed up on this, I did this, and that didn't work, I did this, and this is what happened to me. So learn from me so that you don't have to go through what I went through. And I think, exactly. yeah, you know, it's only, some parents have a problem with that kind of honesty, but I, I don't think they understand the benefit they have to their children when they just lay it on the table like that and say, you right. know, you know, look, I, I am a product of these mistakes and, and you don't want to go through this, too. So I think that's wonderful. Yep, now, um, a couple of times you've mentioned this this topic uh, or this concept of self-worth. And you said you struggle with um, f- your own self-worth. Um what when was it that you know Robin said you know what hey I have I have value I I am somebody I I'm worth this. At w- what point do you can look back in your life and say you know what Robin finally got it together? Was it maybe <laughs> 26, 27, or are we still working on it today? 
I think that I think that we constantly work on it, but I think that one of the two defining moments where I know where I started to reshape my reality and reshape who I was. The first moment was when I found out I was having a little baby girl, and I remember driving back to the doctor, and I said this earlier, you know, and I said, I'm not going to be a statistic, and neither is she. Mm-hmm. And that was one moment where I was like, she's worth more than this. And maybe it was just because of her mm-hmm. in that moment. It wasn't about me. It was more about her. I, I do believe that. But then when I was sitting in my living room, when I think I was about 23, I'm going to say 23, and I looked around and I made that choice then. And that was when I really hardcore started reevaluating who I was as a person and what I wanted in my life and how to start learning to love myself because my world massively shifted. I mean, it was like a earthquake within and nothing Mm. fell back to where it was when I learned to love myself and people can say, Oh, that's, you know, whatever. I've heard so many different things said about, said about that. But for me, it was the most positive and powerful experience I've ever had in my life and has brought me to where I'm at today. Because when I can look in the mirror and say, I love you and appreciate who I am without bashing myself, because so many times, I mean, take the challenge, go to the mirror, look in it and say, I love you to yourself and Mm -hmm. listen to self-talk, you know, because a lot of times, and especially when I first did it, oh my goodness, I could come up with a million reasons why I wasn't worth (laughs) my own love even, but now I can do it confidently. And Mm -hmm. so it was doing that over and over and, and not just that, looking at my life and stop settling for things. You know, you grow up with these limits and these beliefs and you think that that's all there is. You hear your parents say, oh, like I was talking about my mom, oh, life happens to you. Life's a circumstance. Not true. Life is your choice. You hold the key. You know, you have all the power in your hands. You have the choice. It's up to you to start taking initiative and start taking that first step and making that choice. And I always tell people, they say, well, what's the first thing you do if you want to change your life? You decide you want to change your life. Because mm-hmm. you and I can talk to, we're blue in the face. I can give out, I can go do 10,000 workshops and talk to 10,000 mm-hmm. different people. But if they don't want to change, if they don't make that decision within, then they won't. Because mm-hmm. we do what we want. You know, we attract what we are. We do what we want. And if we don't want to change, we're not going to. So there for me, it was that moment. Yeah, I said, you know what? I don't want to live like this. And so I'm not going to continue doing the same actions. Because if you want to change, what do you have to do? You have to change what you're doing, live a different way, make those choices. It's easier. It's so much easier to stay in the cycle. It's so much easier to do what you've been doing and just get by and live in routine, paycheck to paycheck, whatever you're doing. It's Mm -hmm. easy to live that way. So when you break that cycle, you better be ready because you're going to face some challenges and you're going to question yourself sometimes and you're going to learn new lessons. And even when you think you have it all, figured out it's all figured out no there's going to be a new lesson i promise you because all the time all the time robin i want you hold on to that thought we're going to talk some more about uh, self-worth right after this commercial break (laughs) welcome back to don't box me in here's your host lana reed Welcome back. Welcome back. I am with author and speaker Robin Marvel. Today, before the break, we were talking about the personal decision to uh, make a change in your life and uh, establishing your uh, self-worth. And um, she was saying that, you know, even though you start this process to make change and, and it's going along smoothly, you need to understand that something else will come along. And, Robin, I think that's very important. People say, OK, I'm, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to go back to school. And you need to understand that even after you make these changes in your life, something else is going to come along and you need to stay in that mental state of I will not be 
defeated? You know, um, how do people kind of just stay on that upbeat level um, and not say, okay, well, I thought this was it. I did this and life is supposed to be great and wonderful and rainbows now, but here comes something else along the way. Well, I think you have to be open to learning. You know, you have to be open to those new things coming your way and and be proud of your accomplishments. I always tell people when you have a goal, break it into smaller goals, you know, so that you can see the accomplishments through each little step. Because when we want this big thing, you know, we want whatever it is that we want, and we're working at it, we can become defeated and kind of lose momentum because we're trying for this this thing that's really big. But if we're able to break it into the small steps, then we can see an accomplishment and celebrate something at each step along the way. And I think that that's the same with any kind of goal you're trying to reach or any change you're trying to make in your life. Be proud of yourself. Be proud of yourself just for standing up and saying, I'm not going to settle for this anymore and start mm-hmm. making those changes, even if it's something in your yard. You know, mm-hmm. like people think that settling only goes for relationships. No, it's your whole life. Mm-hmm. What are you settling for? You know, you have this big giant mess in your yard you want to clean up. I don't know why I'm using that, but it, it works. <laughs> and, you know, so say, I'm not settling for that anymore, right? Yeah, and right. Clean it up and, and feel accomplished. And that's the same thing with your life. Start small, you know, and, and accomplish it and grab it and know that more stuff's coming and you're going to whip right through that and you're going to become a better person and you're going to become wiser and you're going to move forward. And I think that that's really powerful and a great way to do things. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. And uh, this brings me to the fact that you've got some powerful books out there. You've got five books out uh, currently. And I think the latest one, if I'm correct, is Life Check, Seven Steps to Balance Your Life. Yep, it sure is. Oh, okay. What What will the reader find in, in this book? Well, the reader's going to find ways to rock the boat, break the cycle, you know, really start taking advantage of your life, leaving behind, you know, all the stuff we've been talking about. They're going to find all that stuff in that book. I mean, there's seven action steps to get you from routine into the life that you want. You know, it's really powerful in that way. It's There's no stuff. You know, I'm really big on being real. That's something that's really important to me and in my writing, too. I don't want to fill you full of anything. I just want to give you the good so you can start implementing them to your life faster. Okay, cool. Now, let me see if I can get all the titles of the books correctly here. So I just mentioned Life Check, Seven Steps to Balancing or to Balance Your Life. There's also Awakening Consciousness, um, A Boy's Guide, Awakening Conscious, A Woman's Guide. Um, we've got Reshaping Reality and then Awakening Consciousness, A Girl's Guide. That's correct. All, I got all five there? Yep. All right. And how do, how do people get a hold of one of the books? Well, they can get them at any Barnes & Noble, or they can also get them online at Amazon.com, or, I mean, they're everywhere. So you just type it in or type in my name, and you can, you'll find them. Okay. Your local now, bookstore, everywhere. Okay. Now, because you mentioned the uh, five daughters, or we, we know you have a beautiful... Uh, what is that? That's a basketball team, five people, a basketball <laughs> team of five girls there. And this book, Awakening Consciousness, A Girl's Guide... Um, I'm, I'm assuming that your daughters had some motivation for this or no? Absolutely. That's actually the first book that I ever wrote was Awake okay. Consciousness, The Girl's Guide. And it's, um, you know, it's a workbook. It's a hands-on workbook that talks about self-esteem and all sorts of good things, but it's super motivational and gets your, your the girl involved in the empowerment of her own life, which I think is really important. Okay, so you said it's a workbook. So is this something like parents would give to their daughters? It's, it's like a day-to-day activity book, or is it is it like a diary thing? Or No, it's actually, um, you know, if you open it up, there's like a little 
paragraph on something like on self-esteem or, you know, self-worth or whatever, and then they'll do an activity with that. So they can okay. use it as they want. They can use it any, you know, any time. Okay, okay. Now, I was also on the website, and I see that you have some few things coming up in 2014. Uh, where can we look for and see, Robin, um, in the upcoming year? Well, in May, I'm going to be up in Traverse City at the bookstore up there, Horizon Books. And I am busy doing a lot of radio shows and booking events. In September, I'm going to be down, I think it's down near Detroit, Royal Oak. I'm doing an event there. So I'm just, um, you know, I'm just in Michigan, I guess, so far this summer. Okay, okay. Well, more stuff to come down to play, I'm thinking, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So now, so we're going to go ahead and, and get information out there so people can go ahead and book you. How do, how do people connect with you so they can get you at their next event? Uh, they can find me at my website, RobinMarvel.com, and all my information's on there. And also I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, all those social media places. Okay. And also as we bring up your website, I want to mention um, two more things. You have this uh, 10 Daily Confidence Boosters, and how do they go about getting those? Uh, if you just visit my website and put in your name and email, then I'll send them right out to you. Okay, so that's like a, a like a monthly newsletter thing, or what is that? Um, that does sign you up for the monthly newsletter too, and that so you'll get the ten daily um, confidence boosters today or whenever you sign up, and then you'll get a monthly newsletter with all all types of positive, motivating things in there. Oh, okay, and I think one more thing here is the blog, right? Your life check. What is a life check blog? Right. It's just little um, articles that I've written about life and things. And, you know, I'm, <laughs> that's easy. it's just all about life and these different things that we can do. There's a lot of daily tips that you can use in your own life to, you know, motivate yourself and lose your ego and kind of live with positivity. And I also started writing for the Lakeview Times, which is a newspaper okay. here in Michigan. You can go there, lakeviewtimes.com. And I'm writing articles for there, too, so people can find some of um, the stuff that I include in the blog in that newspaper, too. So it's a good way to share the word. Cool you said lose your ego. I think people, so many people have problems with that, losing our yeah. ego. <laughs> yep. <laughs> cool stuff. There's three tips well, on there, so. <laughs> some people might not want to hear what Robin has to say. Wait a minute. Hold on. Nothing's wrong with me. What are you trying to say? <laughs> it take, it takes well, a lot to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I need to fix this. And, you know, I'm really not happy with that. So, you know, um, not only yourself, but anybody that does it, I commend them for making changes because it's very unpleasant to look at yourself, as I like to say, bare naked and say, you know what, I don't like this about myself and I'm going to be very proactive. I'm going to take the necessary steps to change that and become a better person so um with that you know i'm, I'm going to say now, right so yeah so <laughs> but um with that we are at the end of the show here with robin and my guest today like I said, it's been Miss Robin Marvel. Please, please, please be sure to visit her website, RobinMarvel.com. Robin, I have had a wonderful time chatting with you. You are truly an inspiration. Thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you so much. Have a great day. You too, dear. That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I will be with you next week.